Hi, I'm Mark Priestley. After a life spent in the elite environment of the Formula One pit lane learning how to win, this podcast aims to bring that elusive, high-performance culture into your daily lives. In this week's episode, I'm looking at why the FIA felt compelled to step in with a new technical directive to protect teams and drivers from themselves and asking the question, what can we learn to apply to our lives that may have more similarities to F1 than we might think? Welcome back to Pit Lane Life Lessons. Talk about how Formula One teams are so successful. Tiny things. You only find those tiny things when you look for them. Of course, there's only one winner in every Grand Prix, so for everybody else, you haven't won, so it could be deemed that's, that's a failure. Hey everybody and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast. Uh, Thank you as ever for listening, wherever it is you're listening from, I appreciate every single one of you and many thanks to so many of you that sent me messages off the back of last week's podcast. Uh, Reviews, notes, DMs, uh, thank you everybody who got in touch because last week's episode I think for me was, was certainly one of the toughest that I've ever done. But it was also one of the ones I'm most proud of because for the first time really in this public capacity, I opened up in a way that I hadn't done before about my own weaknesses, my own struggles, my own vulnerabilities. And I put those in a really honest way in last week's episode. And so many of you reached out to say thank you, to send me just messages of love and, uh, and support. And I appreciate all of that. At the end of the uh, of recording last week's episode, I actually played that section of the of the pod to my wife uh, in the evening, and I said, "Look, just have a listen to this." She didn't know I was going to do it. She didn't know I was going to talk in that way. And whilst I was listening back to to it with her, I'll be perfectly honest. I had a, a little tear. I had a little moment to myself where, you know, I had this major realization that I have got these proper things that I need to work on. And being so open and honest and vulnerable to you guys and then to her uh, just was a a little moment for me, which um, I hope is going to be a real positive step in my journey to sort of working on those weaknesses. And I hope, and I know this because so many of you reached out and told me this in messages and DMs, notes that you sent me, um, reviews for the podcast, uh, thank you for all of those. But so many of you said that it was a, a moment that sort of kick-started your own journeys as well and made you start to think about your weaknesses. And of course, that's the very point of this podcast. It's to make you think differently about certain aspects of your life. If the podcast sparks a new way of thinking for you or starts to open up your mind to bigger and better possibilities, to start thinking about the positives that you could potentially go on to achieve in your life, thinking about those things in a different way, then this podcast has been a major success from my perspective. That's the very point of it. I have spent a lifetime learning about these habits, these techniques, these ways of thinking that can open up bigger and better possibilities for us all, generating more success, generating more happiness, more wealth in whichever form you choose to think of wealth, whether that be monetary, whether it be based on happiness or joy or fulfillment, all of these things amount to wealth in my eyes. And if I can open up a little bit more of that, if I can access a bit more of that for you, well, then I'll be very, very happy. So thank you to all of you that got in touch last week. And if you haven't listened to last week's episode, well, look, I urge you to go back and take a listen. And there are a whole bunch more if you're new around here that you can go and feast on when you finish this one. So welcome along. Thank you very much. As you heard in the intro there, uh, this week I want to talk about the change in Formula One that has come about off the back of drivers and certain teams complaining about the bouncing or porpoising effect on their car and how it's starting to impact the health and well-being of drivers, how it could end up potentially being a safety risk. Now, I'm not going to get into the rights and wrongs of whether or not it is a safety risk, what the right procedures are to move forward. I'm going to leave that for people far better qualified than me. What I am going to do, though, is look at the scenario that played out over the last week, where the FIA, the sports governing body, felt the need to step in and take charge of the situation and issue a technical directive, essentially a new set of rules that the teams have to abide by to 
effectively protect themselves and try and limit the effects, the negative effects that the current situation with the 2022 cars might be having on the drivers. Because I'm always looking for the lessons, the things that we can learn from what's going on inside the sport of Formula One that we can apply to our lives outside of the sport of Formula One. And I firmly believe, and it's the very reason I started this podcast, in fact, I firmly believe there are lessons all of the time, everywhere we look, there are things we can learn. Formula One is an elite sport. It's the very highest level of motorsport. It has some brilliant people within it in every single part of every single organization. Thousands and thousands of roles within this industry, all of which are the very top of their game. They're the best of the best. Now, when you're surrounded by those people, when you examine and study those people, there is always something brilliant to learn from it. And when I heard about this impending rule change, and it's not a rule change yet, we know that, but it's coming. It's a story that's going to run and run. We are far from hearing the end of this whole bouncing and porpoising story that's running through the sport right now, including the exact details of how this rule change will eventually apply. But the point is, when I heard it, two things jumped out at me that I thought might be worthy of deeper discussion in this podcast. The first of those arises from the question of, should the FIA be stepping in to this situation in the first place? Or should it just be left to the teams to sort out their own cars? We know that some teams suffer more than others. One team in particular, Mercedes, has suffered way more than most other teams on the grid. We also know that Mercedes are struggling in terms of performance. And so it seemed to make some sense for Mercedes to become very vocal about this, to push for the FIA to step in and introduce a rule change that would effectively affect everybody, that would level the playing field to some extent. The sceptics might say, well, Mercedes have designed and developed a car that's not only lacking in performance and they're struggling to get an understanding of how to develop their way out of that lack of performance, but they've also got this real negative effect that the drivers are now suffering inside the car from their health, from their physicality, have been bounced up and down the straight in this really extreme fashion. The sceptics might say, well, Mercedes have created that situation for themselves and are now looking for somebody outside to step in and almost rescue them with some kind of rule change to help them alleviate some of their problems and minimise the deficit in terms of performance they might be suffering with to the teams above them by introducing a blanket-wide rule change that would effectively peg back the teams up front that already have eliminated this problem and designed a car that doesn't suffer in any way near the same way. A blanket rule change that would, in some small way at least, level the playing field. And this is where the first, I guess, area of discussion really crops up for me that we can take from and apply to our lives. Because I want to take away for a moment the safety implications of what's going on in Formula One right now. That's not to suggest that they are not serious because they may well be and we await further studies to find out exactly what the implications of the safety impacts on drivers uh, might be with this but aside from that for one moment this concept of a team let's just take it on face value that they have introduced or designed their own car created their own car that's not as good as the teams in front And yet they are now asking for outside assistance for somebody to step in and give them an opportunity to try and catch up because they don't feel or they haven't found a way yet, at least, of being able to catch up themselves, either because they can't develop their way out of the current situation because they don't understand it fully enough or or perhaps and because the 2022 budget cap restrictions are so restrictive that it would cost them too much of their budget to find a way themselves to go back to square one and develop their way to a better car that has more performance and less of this bouncing phenomenon. Either way, there's a question to be asked, and that is, should Mercedes just take responsibility for the the situation they find themselves in, because it was in fact them that created that situation? Should Mercedes take full responsibility for it 
and just crack on and try and work their way out of it themselves. If they feel that the safety of their own drivers is a major implication of their car, particularly more so than many others, should they take on that responsibility and fix it themselves? And the answer to that is the very topic that I want to discuss in a bit more depth here. Because this idea of taking responsibility for your own actions, I feel is something that has been watered down to some extent in recent times. I feel like society now gives people the encouragement or the option to look for alternatives rather than to take responsibility for their own actions. I feel like in business and in life, and I see this quite a lot, I see it with my own children growing up, I see it in the businesses that I work with on many occasions, and I see it in life in general, where people will be quicker often to look for an excuse, look for a reason, look for some outside assistance, look for a bailout, look for somebody to step in and recover a situation for them before, quite often, they will take responsibility for it themselves. Take the hit if they've made a mistake, but dig deep and find their own way out of the mess that they might have found themselves in. There is a big distinction to be made here between fault in any situation and the responsibility to get yourself out of that situation. If you come back to Formula One, you could easily argue that the situation Mercedes find themselves in with a car that really does bounce down the straights and one they're struggling to get their heads around and understand fully enough to find performance in it and to unlock the potential that it may well have may not actually be their fault entirely. Formula One itself, together with the FIA, have created a set of rules for 2022 that mandate this kind of new way of generating the downforce on the underside of the car. And to get that performance from that underfloor aerodynamics, the cars have to run incredibly stiff. They've got new wheel and tyre combinations, they've got a different type of aero setup. And the result of that is you have to run the cars massively stiff. We've taken off certain suspension elements, again, part of the 2022 rules in simplifying to reduce costs, simplifying suspension. Some of those elements may well have helped in these kind of scenarios, but they're now gone for everybody, but they're gone. That's the FIA and Formula One that have designed those cars to work in that way. The teams, of course, have to interpret those rules and come up with the best solution or the best interpretation, their best version of that car that they can come up with. But they're doing that in very restricted environments of minimal track testing, limited amount of simulation and wind tunnel time, limited budget, massively limited budget, very tight restrictions that the teams are having to work within. And so you could argue that Mercedes clearly didn't set out to design a car that was going to bounce its way down the straight so aggressively that it would end up hurting their own drivers. That was never their intention. I actually would argue, and I would go quite some way to suggest this is true, that Red Bull, who are the team currently leading the championship in both drivers and teams, probably the best car on the grid right now, I'd say there's a very high chance that they didn't deliberately, when they sat down at the drawing board to interpret the rules that F1 and the FIA had put together, they didn't deliberately set out to design a car that was going to be quick and not have the bouncing phenomenon. I would argue that it's pretty much accidental to a large extent that Red Bull have come up with a car that doesn't suffer in the way Mercedes with, and to that end, it's also accidental that Mercedes have come up with a car that does suffer in that way. So it may not be entirely Mercedes' fault. Yes, of course, they're the ones that have designed the car, but perhaps you could argue that Formula One and the FIA, who've created a concept of Formula One for 2022 that forces teams down that direction, and let's make no mistake, it's certainly not Mercedes who are the only ones suffering with this phenomenon. They have it worse than most people, but they're certainly not the only ones suffering. So perhaps the fault might actually lie with Formula One or with the FIA. But is it their responsibility to fix it? Because if not everybody's suffering, perhaps the responsibility falls on the team that's suffering most, i.e. Mercedes in this particular example. 
So if it's not their fault, but it's their responsibility, should they just crack on and dig deep and find a way out of the problem? Because should anyone else be stepping in to to bail them out here? And if we reflect back on our own lives, surely that is a metaphor for the wider situation that many of us face in our lives. So many things that we come up against on a daily basis in our lives, in our companies, in our families, they may not be our fault. We find ourselves in situations, good and bad, that could be nothing to do with our fault. The fault may lie nowhere near our door. But can we always just rely on the fact that somebody else is going to come along and sweep us up and get us out of the situation, going to bail us out, going to change the rules to help us? It's not going to happen in every situation we face. And so we have to take responsibility for situations that may not be our fault. Because who else is going to have the same interests at heart as we are when it comes to our own affairs? And the answer to that is nobody. Should anybody else have the same level of interest in our affairs as us? Absolutely not. And so responsibility for our lives lies with us. And I say this, I have this conversation so often with my own children. They'll come home from school and they'll say, I've been given some homework by the teacher, but my mate next to me was talking to me while she was explaining what the homework was. So I missed it. I don't know what we're supposed to do. This is not my fault because, you know, Billy was talking to me next to me and I just had to turn around and answer him and I missed what she was saying. I said, well, mate, you know, what are you going to do about it? Because it may not be your fault that Billy started talking to you at exactly the wrong moment, but it's your responsibility to go and figure out how to get around it. Because if you go back to the teacher next week without doing your homework and say, well, sorry, miss, I didn't do it this week because Billy was talking to me when you explained it. Do you think that's going to go down as a good reason, a good excuse? They're not going to care that you say Billy was talking to you. It's your responsibility to find a way to get out of that situation. You've got to go to the teacher and say, miss, I'm really sorry. I didn't hear what you said. Would you mind explaining the homework to me again so I can get on with it? That's your responsibility. That's taking responsibility for a situation that you may have found yourself in that may not have been your fault, but it is your responsibility. And there could be an argument to say that the Mercedes situation, the Formula One situation could have similarities to that. It may not be Mercedes fault that they're in the situation that they're in, but it's surely their responsibility to look after their own drivers. The first responsibility should be to protect the health and well-being of their own drivers. And I'm well aware that it's more complicated than this. I appreciate there are complexities and there are more than just Mercedes drivers suffering. And that does put a whole different spin on it. I'm just using this as an example, as a platform to extrapolate lessons that might be beneficial to us and our lives. Because I honestly think that society has created, whether it's a generation or whether it's a elements of society that firmly believe that it's somebody else's responsibility to get them out of the troubles or the hole that they might find themselves in. And it isn't. It's your own responsibility. And yes, of course, help is always welcome. Some people need help. Some people can benefit from help. And there may well be help out there for you. But it's your responsibility to go and find it, to work for it, to earn it, if that's what you have to do. Nobody's going to look out for you to the level that you should be looking out for you yourself. When you're building businesses, there are so many scenarios where this kind of thing happens. We make mistakes all the time. It's our responsibility to get ourselves out of those mistakes. The government might change policy that could massively impact our income, or the outgoings that we have every month. You know, if the government suddenly changes a tax or a rule that means that we now are slightly worse off because we have to pay more tax, as an example, we can't change that rule. And it may not be our fault that that rule has come in, but whose responsibility is it to make sure that we can still manage our finances to get through the month? It has to be ours. Now, in the Mercedes example, of course, if they have built a car that's not quick enough, that means their drivers are suffering, of course, you can argue that it's their responsibility. They need to take responsibility for designing or developing a faster car. That's what Formula One is all about. 
You interpret those rules, you use your resources to create the fastest car that you can. And of course, that car has to look after and protect your drivers, your perhaps biggest asset in the entire company, the two guys sat behind the wheel. That's your responsibility to make sure you look after those aspects of what you do. But on the flip side of all of that, if Formula One decide that they have created a set of rules that are risking the health, the safety, the well-being of the drivers across the grid, if they have created a car in 2022 that's meaning their batch of Formula One drivers and their teams are all suffering or being put at risk, if the safety of this sport is being put at risk, well, then that suddenly and very quickly becomes their responsibility. It's their responsibility to protect the participants in the sport. It's their responsibility to make sure the sport is as safe as it can be. And of course, that is the way they're currently viewing it. That is exactly what has happened. They have stepped in to take that responsibility onto their own shoulders. Now, these are two different arguments around the same situation, but coming from two different perspectives. But the central theme of taking responsibility for your own actions, taking responsibility for your own performance and for your own health and well-being is something that I firmly believe we should all be taking a little bit more seriously. And I'm using a huge generalization there, but in my experience, as I said earlier, this is a phenomenon that has grown in recent times. Back in 2007, at the fallout of the Spygate affair in Formula One, I'm sure you remember it, uh, McLaren had become had been found guilty of receiving stolen documents from Ferrari in a huge espionage case where initially those documents had entered the McLaren organization via one person. And our initial response to that, the team's initial response, was to lay the blame and the responsibility with that one person and then a very small group of people with which that information had been disseminated at that time. It was very much detaching the organization from that small group of people. It was their fault. It was their responsibility. It was nothing to do with us, the wider team. But in the end, of course, that defence failed. We were found guilty. And what Ron Dennis said to us, the team, in an address was that we could continue to fight this. We could continue to put the blame at the feet of these few small number of people within our organisation. He said, we know that this information hasn't gone further than those people. But from outside the team, those questions will always remain. There will always be an element of doubt as to who saw it, how far through the organisation it went, what impact it had on the design of our car, etc, etc. He said, so we've actually taken the decision to accept the responsibility for it. We don't take the blame. The blame lies firmly at the feet of the person who stole the information. It is their fault. But as an organisation... We take responsibility for our actions moving forward. And the one quote that Ron Dennis said to us during that meeting, during that address, that I've always remembered, that's always stuck with me, was he said, accountability leads to possibility. And what he meant by that was by taking accountability for our actions from this day forward, by accepting that, of course, in some way, our organisation has allowed this to happen. It may not have been our organization's fault. We didn't choose to go and take that information or get that information from Ferrari. One person chose to do that in underhand, illegal, against the rules dealings. But our organization somehow allowed that to happen. It allowed that information to find its way in. So it's our responsibility now to decide what we do moving forward. And the idea of accountability leading to possibility, was Ron Dennis's way of saying this is where things change. We use this massively negative situation in which we've been fined $200 million, we've been thrown out of the Constructors' Championship, a championship we were hands down going to win. It was a pretty brutal punishment for every single one of us inside that McLaren company. But Ron's address was saying, today is the day we turn things around. We take accountability for it and we use it to open up possibilities into the future. 
by becoming accountable for our actions, we also become accountable for what can come next, what possibilities might open up for us if we take control of this situation rather than trying to palm off the blame, rather than trying to sit here as an innocent victim where everything was happening to us. It wasn't our fault. It happened to us. Instead of that, we took on the accountability of what happens to us next. We take responsibility for what happens to us next. And in that situation, we take control of our future. And if you take control of your future, you open up possibility. Accountability leads to possibility. Remember that one. It's a good little mantra to have in your mind. And it's something that I've parted on to my kids in these moments that I described earlier on. Taking accountability gives you the control of the direction in which you go next. The things that happen to you can fall back under your control to some extent when you take accountability for your own actions. So the more time that you spend in your life looking for others to blame for things that might have happened to you, for situations you might have found yourself in, whether that's the government, whether it's your boss at work, whether it's your parents, whether it's your kids. If you spend time and energy looking for somebody else to blame, you're not spending time and energy on finding a solution for yourself. You're not opening doors that could lead to greater possibilities. If you spend time and energy looking for somebody to come and step in and bail you out, somebody to come in and rescue you from the situation, again, you're wasting time and energy that could be put towards something much more productive. So if you found yourself in a really difficult situation recently, if your life has taken a negative twist or spiral, a really difficult turn, I'm really sorry for you, whether that's been financial or health related, whether it's something to do with a relationship or a family member, I'm really sorry that that's happened to you. I'm certainly not saying that you shouldn't turn to the people around you for help and support. Please don't take that the wrong way. Absolutely take the support that you need from the people that you love and trust. What I am saying is the quicker you can get to a place where you lose the anger, the determination to find somebody to blame for your situation, the quicker you can take some control from it, the quicker you can start to move towards something a little bit more positive, whether it's alleviating pain or suffering that you might be feeling, whether it's digging your way back out of a financial hole, whether it's restarting a new business because the last one failed. It may not have been your fault that it failed, but it's your responsibility to get your life back on track and start the next business or start the next venture, take on the next challenge. These things have a habit of kicking us when we're down. They can quite often dig in when we really don't need it the most, but it's always going to be down to us more than it's ever going to be down to anybody else to find a way to turn it around, to find a way to turn the situation around to benefit us rather than hurting us the way it might be right now. So my only piece of advice here is think about what I just said. Think about taking responsibility. Think about that mantra that Ron Dennis has instilled in me that I'm now passing on to you. Pass it on to anyone else around you if you feel like they need it. Accountability leads to possibility. And good luck. Okay, the next part of the podcast is centered around the same situation, but coming at it from a completely different perspective, another way of looking at it, but also, I hope, something else that we can take from it and apply to our lives. So the same scenario where the FIA have taken the decision to step in and protect the teams and the drivers from this phenomenon in the cars, I also looked at that in the week just gone by and thought, well, hang on. There's another side to all of this, because what's happening here is we've got a competitive environment in which the teams and the drivers all just want to win. That's why they exist. They are trying to win the world championships. They're spending a huge amount of money, sacrificing a huge amount of time and energy, a huge amount of dedication, all designed to try and win. Mercedes are reluctant to some extent to back off the performance of their car to protect their drivers because they don't want to lose the performance of their car. And up and down the grid, all of the teams will have the same sort of philosophy. They won't want to 
take away performance just to make the drivers a bit more comfortable. And the drivers, certainly the ones at the front end of the grid, certainly the ones in with a shot of winning the big prizes, will feel to some extent the same way. They are happy to some extent, or willing at least, to suffer if they can get the extra performance that could lead to the big prize, the race wins, the world championships. And this is where Formula One and any competitive environment, including many of the ones that we exist in, can often come up with a problem. Because people are willing to sacrifice sometimes too much in the pursuit of a goal or wealth or success in whatever metric they measure success by. Some elements of society have created a narrative that almost encourages people to to give that excessive level of sacrifice because that's what we do if we want to have success. That's what success looks like. It looks like getting up at 4am when everyone else is sleeping. You're getting ahead of the game. You're not finishing till 11pm at night because that's where you get your advantage from. And if you're finishing at 8pm, well, you're missing out because the guy that's working till 11pm, well, he's going to get ahead of you. So success is often portrayed in this unhealthy way. But many of us are willing to go for that. We're willing to be unhealthy because we want the success and we don't know any other way to get it. Social media, for example, portrays many industries. Entrepreneurship is a great example of this. If you want to start a business, well, it needs hard work. It needs sacrifice. And that's absolutely true. It does need those things. But we have to balance it with looking after our own self-interest. We have to balance it with looking after our own health and well-being. Because if you become sick, if you become unhealthy, if you collapse with exhaustion... Well, guess what? Your company is going to suffer when you're laid up in hospital. And it might sound like an old, super sensible way to look at it, but it's just the truth. Yes, we have to work hard. Absolutely no successful person on this planet has had success without working hard. I don't believe anyone's done that. But working hard doesn't have to mean working yourself into the ground. That's two very different things. But if you just look at social media and look at many of the successful people, and I use successful in inverted commas in that situation, many of the people portraying their own version of success on the social media platforms would love to have you believe that you haven't got time for breakfast. You haven't even got time for lunch. You might be able to grab a quick dinner on the run, but you haven't really got much time to sleep either because if you're sleeping, you're not working. And if you're not working, you're not building that success or that wealth that the guy on the other end of the social media app is flouting in front of you. So the point that I'm trying to get around to here is that there are certain situations in life where the prize may seem so big, so valuable. And I include Formula One in this scenario where the prize might seem big enough to justify huge sacrifice. Sacrifice that in the long run could have some lasting negative impacts, which might mean we suffer to a degree where that prize actually no longer becomes worth it. And sometimes in that kind of scenario, we might need somebody to step in and save us from ourselves. And this is perhaps exactly what the FIA and Formula One are doing with this latest technical directive. Formula One's an industry where teams and drivers, as I said, are often willing to sacrifice their long-term health, well-being in pursuit of the big prize. You could take the other example that happened in recent years of introducing a curfew in the pit lane to prevent the teams from staying there all night long, because that's exactly what they would do. It's what they did do. When I first started working in Formula One on the test team at McLaren, and you'll know this if you've read my book, it was not unusual for us to still be in the garage at 2am, at 3am, sometimes at 4am. And we'd rush back to the hotel and literally grab an hour's sleep before going back again the next morning to carry on. Because the prize was big enough to justify the sacrifice. We had to get that car developed to a point where we could take on Ferrari because they were our arch enemy and we knew they'd be doing the same. Well, if they're not sleeping, if they're working all night, desperate to try and eke out that extra tenth of a second, well, we've got to do the same thing. 
And we did do the same thing. And we continued to do the same thing until somebody, i.e. Formula One, the FIA, stepped in to prevent us doing that same thing to ourselves. A thing that was costing each and every one of us health. A, A thing that was introducing a very unsafe situation. I mean, imagine working all night with sometimes no sleep, sometimes just an hour, maybe two, and coming in the following day to conduct pit stops on cars that were full of fuel with drivers in them, building those cars that would be doing 200 miles an hour with a guy sat behind the wheel and you haven't had any sleep for three days. That was real life in Formula One back in that time. And so luckily for us and for the good of the sport, the governing body stepped in to address the situation. And it may well be that this is exactly what's happening. And perhaps we should look at this through grateful eyes to say that's exactly the right thing to do. My point and the point that I want to bring out in this podcast, aside from Formula One, we face these same situations in our own lives, not just the ones I've described earlier. It can happen in all forms, but it might take somebody like us to step in with the people around us that we love and care for to be that person to protect them from themselves. And I would say we should start looking out for more and more of those signs, those little signals that appear all the time around us that sometimes we may take for granted. Sometimes we may laugh off as a bit of a joke. We may roll our eyes and then walk on. Maybe we shouldn't always walk on because some of these little signals might be quite a long way down the line towards disaster that that person is on. It could have been happening for a long time. There might be changes in a personality because somebody's not been sleeping because they've been pushing on with work. A young person trying to climb the corporate ladder to impress their boss is a great classic example of this, where somebody comes home from work after a long day, but then gets the laptop open on their own kitchen table and just continues slogging away, typing emails at 11, 12 o'clock at night, falling asleep on the laptop and then getting up and going off to do the whole thing over and over again. That might happen on the odd occasion to all of us. But if it's happening regularly, if there's nobody there stepping in to protect that person because the big prize of climbing the the corporate ladder, getting to that bigger job, the promotion that you're after, impressing the new boss that's just come into your business, that prize might seem like the sacrifice is worthwhile to that person. But sometimes only the people around that person can start to see the longer term, the bigger picture the bigger negative effects that they might be suffering that they may not be aware of, that they may not be taking seriously enough. Our children often get put under so much pressure during the education phase of their life to hit exam targets or to conform within social circles, for example. And some of those sacrifices they have to make to achieve those targets can cause longer term suffering, can cause wider suffering to the people around them their family. They might stay up all night revising for an exam that they're worried about and may not sleep. They might experiment, they might try things, they might behave in a certain way to fit in with a social peer group because they see that prize as being worthy of it. But actually, they might suffer as a result of that. They might do things they don't really want to do. They might go down paths they don't want to go down that could have longer term knock on effects. So can we keep an eye out for some of those signals that you may not be able to see when you are in the moment? I had a situation in my own life just last year where my wife had to step in as the person looking out for me, had to step in and protect me from myself because I had found myself in a situation where I am lucky enough to love what I do for a living. I love the various jobs and roles that I have. I present a car show on the Discovery Channel, which I love doing. I get the opportunity to commentate on Formula One Grand Prix. Again, absolutely love it. I'm on the board of a number of companies. I consult with businesses. I do my speaking engagements. I'm on the speaking tour. I'm writing a second book. I mean, I have so many things, but every single one of them I love doing, genuinely love doing. I feel lucky to have those opportunities. And every time a new one of these opportunities came in, 
I would immediately just say yes to it because why wouldn't you? I love it. But it was taking more and more and more of my time. I run my own YouTube channel. I look after this very podcast that you're listening to. It takes up a considerable amount of my time, but I love it. I don't want to stop any of those things because who knows when those opportunities may come around again. So I just kept saying yes and yes and yes. And I became busier and busier and busier, but all in a really good way. So I was loving life. I love being busy. I was going through my weeks just embracing everything that was coming my way and feeling grateful for it all. But there was a moment where my wife had to step in and she did this very gently, knowing how passionate I am about what I do. She teetered around the edge and stepped in carefully, but had a quiet word with me to protect me from myself by saying, look, Elvis, I know you love what you do. I know you're loving what's going on in your life right now, but just be aware you haven't spent much time with the family in the last month. We haven't had many weekends when you've been at home whilst we've all been off work or off school. And it suddenly hit me. She was absolutely right, of course. I hadn't done that because I'd just been throwing myself into work. Left unchecked, I would almost certainly have just continued to do that. And eventually it may have had some physical impact on me, on my health, because I might have overworked myself. But I feel quite confident that I was able to deal with all of that. What I'd completely lost sight of, though, was that the people around me, the people I love most in this world, weren't getting anywhere near enough of my time because I was throwing all of my time at the businesses and the work and the opportunities that had been coming my way. And I needed somebody to step in and to protect me from myself because I couldn't see the problem when I was immersed in that scenario. And it's such a common scenario in so many different elements and walks of our life, both positive and negative. The people around us, and if we are those people for others, if we are the people around some other people that we love, it partly becomes our responsibility to keep an eye out for the symptoms of this problem. It might take one of us to have that brave and often difficult conversation with the people that we love and we care about to say, listen, I've noticed that this has changed recently. I've noticed this is going on in your life. I haven't seen you for a while. You've been behaving just a little bit differently. We're noticing some changes in your character, in your personality. Is there something I can help with? When situations become more severe or more extreme, we might have to get more extreme with our responses. If we're concerned, if we're worried about those people around us, we might have to have a much more difficult, a much more serious conversation with them. We might have to lay down very clearly what expectations we have of them. We might have to introduce new rules to operate within. And sometimes we might even need to bring in outside support to help us when situations become too difficult for us to manage on our own. When Formula One mandated a curfew, a time when everybody had to leave the paddock in an evening on a Grand Prix weekend to make sure that every team had the opportunity to get a decent night's sleep before coming back in again. When that rule came into play... Formula One cars didn't suddenly start going a lot slower. They didn't start falling apart. Teams didn't break down. There wasn't a sudden drop in performance levels across the board of our sports. We managed. The teams coped with it. We changed the way we operated to work within the new framework, a framework that was suddenly now designed to protect us, the Formula One teams, from ourselves. And our life can be exactly the same when we're deep in the moment and we think the only way to build our business or to build our career is to not sleep, is to push through without eating or sleeping. We can't see any other way. That is the only way, the only route we see to success. But the reality is there are so many other paths that we can take. And as people looking on from the outside, maybe people with experience further along the journey of life where we're talking about our own children, people younger than us that might look up to us, we can show them different ways, different routes to success. We can give them examples of people who made it without living a life where the suffering might have eventually outweighed the prize. 
So there are lots of signs that we can look out for in other people. There are lots of ways that we can help people by stepping in in some of these moments in their lives. But we can also start to look for some of these symptoms, some of these situations in our own lives. That's the ultimate goal. Well, we don't need anybody else to step in because we can step in and protect ourselves from ourselves. To find those situations, we have to go looking for them. We have to take a moment in whatever scenario we're in, whatever stage of life we're in, whatever's consuming us in our life, we have to try and find a moment where we can step back from it, see the bigger picture, ask ourselves the questions of, is there something that we should be doing differently? Is there something that I'm not seeing here where other people might be being affected by my actions? Am I doing something that in the long run might actually make me suffer more than whatever prize it is I'm going after, whatever the goal might be? Is it worth the sacrifice that actually, when I think about it, that's what I'm making here. It's a sacrifice. Some sacrifice, of course, is okay. Some sacrifice is necessary. If we want to chase a dream or a goal, of course, we've got to sacrifice. We've got to make sacrifices. You don't achieve big things without putting in big effort and making big sacrifices at certain times. But we should always check in with ourselves and ask if those sacrifices are worth it. And are those sacrifices only sacrifices for us? Or are we inadvertently asking or even expecting the people around us, the people who love and care for us, to sacrifice things themselves, even though the prize is not necessarily for them. Perhaps the current Formula One example is a good one. Perhaps this theoretical scenario where teams would be willing to sacrifice the health and well-being of their drivers in pursuit of the big prize of our sport, the race wins and the world championships. Now, I'm not saying that's what's happening right now, but if that were to be the case it might take somebody else to step in because in the competitive environment of Formula One, is a team ever going to recognise that that's a problem that they need to take responsibility for? And it goes back to my earlier point. Are any Formula One teams willing to take enough responsibility for the health and well-being of their driver to sacrifice performance to alleviate the suffering they might be going through? Now, I'm not saying that any Formula One team isn't willing to do that. I'm asking that question because we've created a situation. We've created an environment where it's so competitive. There's so much at stake, where there are so many teams competing for that same prize. That is any one of them going to be willing to give up that pursuit of that dream, even if members of their own team might be suffering? And if we've created an environment that might encourage that, that might foster that kind of behaviour, then should somebody, i.e. the governing body, the rule makers of this sport, step in with some kind of different rule change to protect the competitors involved in their very own sport? It's an open-ended question. And I'm not saying that this is exactly the situation we're facing right now, but it's another example or another side of the coin that we flipped earlier on, about teams just taking responsibility for their own actions, for their own disappointments when it comes to performance, for the characteristics of their own car that might cause suffering and even pain to their own drivers. The teams have a responsibility to look after that, and yet the environment created by the rulemakers discourages that from happening. So perhaps we can and should start to become more aware of situations that might be happening like this in our own lives, with our children, our family members, our friends, colleagues at work who might be suffering. Perhaps even more importantly, can we become more aware of those signs in ourselves? Are we exhibiting behaviours? Are we consuming things into our body? Are we treating people around us in a way where the cost of doing those things might actually outweigh the attainment of the targets, the dreams, the goals that we might be setting ourselves in the first place. And if there's a chance that maybe the costs outweigh any benefits we might be looking to achieve, well, like the FIA are doing with Formula One, maybe we can step in to protect ourselves 
from ourselves. Okay, so I want to wrap up today's podcast in a similar way that I've been doing in recent weeks by reading you a review that somebody very kindly left me after last week's podcast. And I think this one kind of fits in nicely to what we've talked about today as well. This comes from somebody on YouTube uh, called Emma Selesko. I hope I've pronounced that right. But the message simply says this. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for your podcasts. It really motivates me when I wake up every day and try to struggle sometimes with the same things as you. I think we should be grateful to people like your wife. And for me, it's my mum. They can tell us our mistakes, things we need to change about ourselves because they really love us. They want to make us better than we are now. Honestly, I didn't accept my mum's criticism at one time, but now I go to ask her objective view of my situation all on my own. I understand you that sometimes it hurts and we aren't ready to hear it, but all of us need to if we want to learn to look at ourselves from another perspective. Thank you, Mark, and I'm looking forward to your next podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to write me that message. It means the world to me because that one, of course, came off the back of last week's episode where I almost poured my heart out to you guys. I told you some of my biggest struggles in life, and I did that for exactly that reason so that other people might resonate with them. Other people, every one of us are going through difficult times. And if what I shared last week has helped a few other people to open up and recognize that their struggles are not unique to them, they're not, you're not the only person going through some of those difficult times. We're all doing it. Even the people you see in your social media feeds who look like they're nailing life will all be struggling with something. So thank you very much for sharing your version of my story that I shared last week. It really does mean the world to me. So thank you. And if anyone else would like to share a story, share a review, share what you took from this podcast, I really encourage you to do it in the Apple Podcast Store if that's where you're listening. I know from the analytics that most of you listen on Apple. And if you are one of those people, please just pop in and give me a quick rating. A few words of review is all it takes. It makes a massive difference to this podcast and I'd appreciate it enormously. If you're not listening on Apple, just drop me a line. Send me a message on social media. My DMs are always open. I will respond to all of them. I will always read every single one and I appreciate every single one as well. So thank you very much. Thank you in advance for any messages that I receive. Thank you for listening. Have a brilliant week and whatever it is you're up to, Well, remember this, do the right things, do the things right.